Welcome to the new Cat Chat, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, the wonderful private company owned by Dr. Elsie, whose mission is to formulate litters to keep cats in their loving homes with his proven veterinarian-formulated litter box solutions for the health of all members of the family. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know, and my mission has always been to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers to offer their kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment. With Dr. Elsie's support, Cat Chat brings you interviews with cat authors and experts, some old favorites, some new conversations, so you can better understand and appreciate your feline family members. Sit back and enjoy. I am here with Heather Green and her delightful first book, To Catch a Cat, How Three Stray Kittens Rescued Me. She's a journalist, freelance writer, and she calls herself a former journalist, but I say once a journalist, always a journalist. She's worked for Business Week, Bloomberg, and the International Herald Tribune in Paris, which sounds incredibly exotic, and has won a lot of awards, including the New York Press Club Crystal Gavel and the Front Page Award from the News Women's Club of New York. And this is her first book. Heather, welcome to the show, and congratulations on your first book. Oh, no, it's a real pleasure to be on the show. Thank you for having me. Well, I wonder if you're going to ever go back to Paris, because now all you'll see will be the kittens, all the stray cats of Paris. You're never going to have a minute to go out to dinner. You're just going to... No, because now I have all this this knowledge about how to catch them, so I'll be running around trying to save them. That's my point. You won't be able to look at a monument. You can't go out for even a cup of coffee. You're going to be busy because you've become this this inadvertent, cat-rescuing, cat-loving, intrepid TNR person. You don't just do trap, neuter, return. You also look for, for adoptive homes. You, you've taken on the whole, the whole challenge. So tell a little bit about how these three stray kittens rescued you. They really changed your whole perception of yourself, your relationship to a man, to your community. It's, it's a pretty cool story. Oh, thank you. You know, it's sort of, I sort of completely, I actually backed into it. I had no intention of being a rescuer. I'd never rescued any cats before in my life. And I was living in Manhattan and I had this life that I was, you know, single and all by myself and working all the time. And I had, you know, I was involved in, and I was deeply involved in my career. And so I met this guy and unfortunately he lived in New Jersey of all places, because if you're from Manhattan, you can never imagine, you know, ever leaving Manhattan, and so and, and especially New Jersey. Sorry to those of you New Jerseyites, we are ridiculous snobs. And then it turns out that Matt lives someplace that it's really okay to be snobby about if you live on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, right? It wasn't like he lived in Teaneck or something. No, no, it wasn't like you know, like Hoboken or Jersey City. It was, um, it was a pretty um, urban, um, working class, pretty rundown neighborhood. Um, and so. It was a huge transition, and the funny thing was it was only 10 minutes away by bus to, um, to Union City. And so I wasn't eager to spend a lot of time there, and um, that's what happened. And we found these three kittens in the backyard, his backyard, and, you know, I sort of, for a reason I didn't understand at the time, decided, oh, yes, we must rescue these kittens that we've never done before. And so that launched us into this crazy, amazing, frankly, experience, and, and it was really life-changing. Now, were you a cat lady to begin with? Had you already owned your your one cat at a time with a litter box in your apartment kind of person? Yeah, exactly. I lived, um, I actually grew up on a farm, um, and so we had a lot of animals. And then when I was living, I lived in in, in New York for about 17 years. And so um, I had um, two kittens at one point in my my, uh, 
tiny apartment, studio apartment um, in the West Village. And after about four years, I just took pity on them and begged my parents to take them back because, or to take them to, 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 to their farm so that they could actually be outside because I was going out all the time. I was working all the time. And so I would come home and the kittens would li- literally like climb all over me. Yes. So, yeah. You, you got but, them a better life for sure. But then you saw these other teeny feral wild kittens and one of them, I guess it was number three that was your life changer, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, it's interesting because when you see um, wild cats that, uh, outside, it's not very often that they'll sort of just look at you. They just usually just scatter, right? And yes. so that's what was interesting about number three is the morning that I saw him, I was peering over this concrete wall down. Um, it was actually the neighbor's um, backyard. And he just sort of just sat there and looked at me. And he was four or five weeks old. And, and of course, you know, they're just adorable at that age with these big eyes and these big ears. And and I just sort of realized in that moment, like, I I could probably do something. I have no idea what to do, but I could do something if I actually, you know, jumped in. And, and that's what happened. After that, then my, my, my then boyfriend, who is now my husband, um, took a class um, in New York uh, about rescuing cats. And then we, you know, fumbled our way through, like, meeting people and trying to figure out, like, how to find traps for them and how to use them and not have them go off in our, on our fingers. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, or on your own cat. And our, or on your own cats, exactly. We did practice with a few stuffed animals. And, um, that's the, um, funny. Yeah, and so, you know, it was just such a trial and error. And that's kind of what's funny about the book is it it's told through the eyes of somebody who knows nothing about all this stuff. And it's very. I tried to write it very funny because it was really hilarious as you're stumbling through all of these different things that you're learning about and that you never knew about. For instance, kitten season. You know, I had no yes. idea that there was such a thing as kitten season. And so that was a bit of a shock, I have to tell you. <laughs> and also how many of them there were. Yeah, that's right. So it's funny. It's exactly right. About your point to Paris, you know, I, I don't think I noticed cats when I was in Paris before, but now I would because it's yes. something that I'm so tuned into. And now that I've rescued cats, I see them everywhere. And particularly in that in that neighborhood, and I think in, in urban environments, there do tend to be a lot of um, feral and stray cats. And so everywhere we looked um, after that, there were kittens and cats everywhere. And so we just couldn't help ourselves. We ended up helping a lot of them. <laughs> now, what's interesting, he took a class in TNR, and my understanding about it, we've had lots of TNR expert types on the show, is that trap, neuter, return, or release works best if you do return or release them to the area in which you found them because living there as sterile cats who can't reproduce but who will, you know, eat the mice in the in the area or just wait for you to feed them daily keeps other other wild cats who are not sterilized and might have diseases and might be a problem from coming into the area. But yet I think that the conventional wisdom is also that if you can get those feral kittens when they're tiny, and I'd love you to talk about that, you know, every hour feeding age, yike, that is some devotion, then you could get them adopted. They become socialized and instantly, in a sense, non-feral if you catch them at the right time, and they make great pets for people. But then what happens in that area where you've removed a feral cat? Do just more come? I've always wondered about that. Let's say you, you get the dozen or six or whatever it is from there, and they're quite adoptable, then do some more just come into the area and it's like a, 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 a like a, a a revolving door so you know i know tnr is, can uh, um, there's a lot of debate about it and i know there's not enough studies about it but 
I can only talk about my experience, which was that it completely worked. Um, there were maybe 40 cats in this one colony that I helped to um, fix and take the kittens out of, and, um, um, you know, through the fact that they were living outside and also the fact that they were living on a very busy street and just, you know, the fact that they were getting older. Over time, that group came down to five, and you would have other cats come in, and every time they would come in, because you're watching them and you're working with the person who's feeding them, you would fix that cat right away. I'll be darned. Right, and so we got to that point where it was just five cats over, um, like, five years. I mean, it took us, we did this over 10 years, so it took us, you know, 10 years to get down to that five cats, but there was, there were, they were, you know, territorial, they're protecting their territory. Cats would come in, and you would you know, get those cats. And so I believe, I do believe in TNR. I do believe that if you can have a concerted effort in a lot of communities, then then it does work. Um, The problem comes if you don't, if you have some people feeding them or if it's not like something that's, you know, um, supported by uh, locality, then you'll have these pockets where other cats will like, will overproduce and, and that seems to, you know, make it seem that TNR might not work. But I know from Mar Street that it completely did. Oh, I didn't know that anybody thought it didn't work. I mean, I, if, if anything maybe doesn't work, it's that human element of people misunderstanding what's going on. I think it absolutely works, and and it takes people with your dedication and passion and, you know, finding your way to success and going, wow, we got 40 down to 5. There's no more cats getting killed on the road. There's no more pooping in people's, you know, vegetable gardens. And these cats are safe and fed and comfortable. And nobody wants to have babies around the clock. I mean, th- that's not a delight for the, for the mothers. So it's, it, you, you've taken away that burden from them, too. I was just wondering, if you took those kittens away, then was mm-hmm. there a vacuum? But as you point out, the adults are still there because the adults remain feral. They don't want to live in someone's house. It's of no interest to them, right? No, that's exactly right. And so they do stay there and they do protect their territory. And they'll let some cats in, you know, they'll, other, some cats will make their way in. But for the most part, they will protect their territory. I don't know what happens after those five cats are gone. I imagine that you will have more cats come in. But, um, but if you had other people doing concerted efforts on different streets and in different areas around you, that wouldn't be the case, you know. And so to your point, I mean, I believe it works. Um, and I believe that the question around it is, you know, if whether you apply. I mean, if you don't apply it, you know, across the board, then than whether you have these gaps that sort of build up. Right, and also you're living in an area that used to be industrial. It used to be, you know, a, a working town, embroidery mills. So there's a lot of places for, for feral cats to, to live before they encounter someone like you who relieves their burden of ability to reproduce. But I imagine that it works even better in areas where there aren't a lot of great hidey places. So they no, really I, have to come yeah. closer to people's houses and get trapped and get neutered and get returned. Absolutely, absolutely. And, for instance, I worked with groups in New York City, and as that's become more, as the different you know, um, places have been built up um, and they've worked to, to control the cat populations in those neighborhoods, they've, they've dropped dramatically, for yes. instance, on the upper side. Yeah. Because, it, it, yes, more cats could come in, but the but the less opportunity for them to hang out someplace behind yeah. a restaurant or someplace where there might be some food, um, the more it dries up. They're, they're, I think also cats like wildlife, especially feral ones, they reproduce to some extent in relation to where there's a food source 
and some place to live that's safe. So I don't know. They probably still come into heat. But yeah, and to the extent that as you're more aware of it, you're catching the cats. Yes. Yes. And so then, you know, the cats that are feral sort of, you know, life takes its course. Um, they die off, but, you know, it does get to zero at a certain point. Which is pretty pretty amazing because for you, it it was just an impulse, uh, just a, an organic impulse. And then you went, oh, my God, what have I gotten myself into? But you and Matt both really threw yourselves into it and made a project of it. You say you stumbled, and yes, it is funny, but he took a class. I mean, you didn't just make it up as you went along. You know, I, I really admire that. You're like, okay, if we're going to do it, we have to have a minimum of safety for ourselves and efficiency and, and su- success in doing it. You talk, it, your subtitle is How the Three Stray Kittens Rescued You. This, this idea of connection to other people, to a significant other, to a community, was that really something that, that you were so caught up in your career and in the urban lifestyle of the single woman that it was a, a rescue, in a sense, an emotional rescue? Absolutely. I think um, I think more the way to think about it was that I had um, I had sort of let other I had always sort of defined my life by the expectations of other people and and I had done pretty well you know Business Week and living in Paris and all these things but um, I had never you know sat down and actually thought about what do I want and so that's what hap- what that's what this project um, let me do and it let me understand you know that I did really want this. Um, commitment with this with this other with this man and and that I could find a community that um, felt really real and important to me um, and I could you know um, sort of have a work life balance which frankly up until then I, I hadn't had at all I mean there's a funny anecdote which is completely true which is that you know I was working so hard at one point that I'd worked really hard this one week and then I'd gone in on a Saturday to work and I was so tired that I walked right into a subway pole. <laughs> <laughs> and I had this huge bump on my head, and there was this guy who had gotten off the train with me, and he was tattooed, and he was appalled, and he sat with me for 15 minutes, and I got up and I said, I got to go to work, and he's like, No, no, what are you doing? And right. I went into work. It was insane. So I think, you know, I love my job and I love journalism, but I, this was a really great, um, it, it took me outside of myself, and it helped me connect with some other people who I really, you know, cared about and shared a lot with, and. And it really helped me um, get to know the new neighborhood in Union City, which I I loved. The people yes. on the block were so wonderful, and 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 then it helped me, you know, um, understand that you know I could share this responsibility. I could learn in my relationship with Matt, and and that um, I could, you know, set my own course and and make a difference. I think that's really part of the takeaway is we all get on this treadmill of I got to answer that email I've got to make this telephone conference I've got to meet this deadline I've got to you know stay two steps ahead but I always feel two steps behind in the modern world of too much email too much all of you know too much information and the ability to slow down and kind of connect with even though it's a peculiar little community Mm -hmm. in terms of it's not the white picket fence of the old days, it's a real community in that sense of small town America, which isn't necessarily what Union City would look like, as you point out in the book, you know, mostly Hispanic working class, but it's people who care. They care about their family, they care about their where they're living, they try and make it look as good as they can, and they try and do something for other critters, uh, whether they're human critters or four-legged critters. I think it's a great a great sense of, of how that transformation worked for you. 
and maybe encourage other people to just try and do something that makes a difference that doesn't give you any ego satisfaction, doesn't give you any money, but you can say at the end of the day, whoa, I made a difference. And there are many things we can do that about in the modern world, right? No, that's exactly right. And I love the way you sum that up. And, and that's sort of how I feel about the book is that, if anything, it, it sort of shows, you know, through my experience that, yeah, you can, you know, step outside of um, what seems to be like, you know, your daily routine. Yes. Maybe you feel a little bit trapped by. And, and just doing that one step and because of these, you know, cute kittens, that was my step, but it could be a, a lot of different things really just um, changes your perspective. It doesn't take you away from your life. I mean, you're still going to have, you know, the life that you have, you know, you, you decided upon having, but it gives you a whole new perspective. And I, uh, and so that was what was, that's why I feel lucky to have been able to write the book. And, and lucky to have had all these kittens in your life. And of course, how lucky are those kittens to have had you? You've saved so many cats and found new homes for so many cats. And I get a strong feeling those numbers will only climb in time. Thank you so much for writing this delightful book to catch a cat, Heather, and wishing you all the best with cats and future books. Tracy, thank you so much for um, talking with me today. I it was really a pleasure. It. Keep up the good work. You take care. You Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. I hope this conversation has deepened your understanding and affection for cats everywhere. It's been brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, which has broken new ground by creating a healthy, dry, and canned food for kitties called Clean Protein, which is inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey, so your cat's appetite is satisfied longer without compromising her health. This is the first dry cat food I believe can be a healthy choice if you want to feed dry cat food to your cat, even as part of her diet although I recommend that canned food should always be your cat's primary diet. Feel free to reach out to me with questions or comments to radiopetlady at gmail.com. Talk soon.